Hi there, and welcome to Enterprise Software Innovators, a show where top tech executives share how they innovate at scale. Each episode covers unique insights and stories that will help you succeed as a technology leader. I'm Evan Reisner, the CEO and founder of Abnormal Security. And I'm Sam Tamadi, a general partner at Greylock Partners. Today on the show, we're bringing you a conversation with Anuj Danda, Chief Information Officer at Albertsons Companies, which includes well-known brands like Safeway, Lucky, and Vons. He's been a CIO for over 20 years and previously held the role at the supermarket chain Giant Eagle and PNC Bank. In this conversation, Anu shares why it now makes more sense to partner with startups, how Albertsons gained market share during the pandemic, and what's next in grocery. One thing that I find really unique about the grocery industry is that you're selling perishable products, which adds this whole other layer of complexity and sophistication when it comes to technology. How do you think about that at Albertsons? If you have too much, you would waste. If you have too little, you have out of stock and you disappoint the customer. So it's really important to get it right and get it right in a way that really works for the customer. That makes sense. I think when people think about the most sophisticated machine learning organizations, right, they may not think about grocery. Do you mind sharing just kind of some of the ways that you guys apply things like machine learning to drive innovation and to deliver that better customer experience? Exactly. And also it's a very localized. So if Oregon is having a heat wave, we might have implications for what we would sell there versus Texas might be different. And that yet might be different than Boston or Chicago. So even the local football game makes a difference to the demand. Uh, Local weather conditions make a a difference. And of course, local preferences. Every aspect of how we run our business has an implication of machine learning could improve. So we talked about demand forecasting and replenishment. But when we think about how we staff our stores, the slot management for e-commerce, how do we fulfill on those slots? How we better predict the specific uh, needs of the customer and so we are able to match the offers to them. Now, in some cases, the lift is significant that you want to prioritize and make that investment. And in some cases, you'd say, hey, it's marginal. But we think there is a big opportunity as we mature both the uh, for machine learning as well as there is a higher level of base automation in the in the system. So let's rewind the clock to March 2020, the onset of the pandemic here in the U.S. How did you and your team start transforming the Albertsons footprint for a COVID world? The first thing, you know, as you could imagine, as this uh, happened is to say, hey, how would we support thousands of employees who were going to work, have them work remotely? We weren't unique in that need. The two other things that were, I think, more unique to us is all the supply chain disruption. But I'll tell you, our business model at Albertsons, what we call nationally strong and locally great, really paid rich dividends because our supply chains were very local. There was a lot of local sourcing for chicken, for different things, which was far more resilient. And as some of the supplies to the restaurants got uh, disrupted, we were able to step in and take the supply. Also, the other thing unique about Albertsons is we have lots of butcher shops in our uh, stores. So we, we provide a lot of these customized services to our customers. So that really helped. We took some restaurant supplies and we were able to convert it into a consumer uh, supply, which if you didn't have a butcher shop, you wouldn't be able to do. And the third was the business just spiked. Every aspect of uh, the business, people were just buying whatever they could buy. 
So we had to scale very significantly. Like our e-commerce business uh, scaled about two to three X uh, order magnitude within days or and weeks. So our ability to scale was really important and scaling the whole ecosystem, not just the website or the uh, mobile app, but all the whole ecosystem. So you mentioned your e-commerce business scaled an order of magnitude almost overnight. What were some of the challenges from a technology and infrastructure perspective that you faced? I think given that our digital business was already in the cloud, that was a huge help. But really the, the bigger impact on scaling also is not just tech, but also the whole fulfillment of those orders. You know, somebody's got to go pick that order. We have to have labor to pick that. Uh, somebody's got to kind of put it in your car or deliver it. And then the ability to service. So if you do that many orders, uh, people call that much more often and say, what about a particular item or substitute? So the whole ecosystem had to scale. So how did you enable that scaling? And what do you hope persists post-COVID? First thing I'd say is agility was enterprise, not just tech. Tech was a huge enabler. Uh, we were a big part of it, but it was really the enterprise. And in this uh, agile journey, one lesson you learn again and again is you got to make enterprise decisions. So business and tech and product have to be like one. There is no air gap between the three. Uh, that showed up in spades. Uh, second, I would say is being on, in the cloud also paid very rich dividends. So like when we had to do the COVID vaccination solution, I think it was three weeks from start to finish when uh, the team said, this is what we want in, when we had our first thing live. Because we didn't have time uh, to you know, do the usual process. And so we had to learn. My CEO says that I, we messed with the DNA. And it is true. Absolutely. And it's one of these examples of an external kind of crisis, turning that into an opportunity and, and using that to um, transform the way you take risk and, and move with agility. Look, the grocery business across the country expanded. Uh, but what I would tell you we are very proud of is in that time period, we also took market share, which suggested that we were doing things in a way and demonstrating to customers that we could supply their needs in a more customer-centric way as well as in a way that worked for them. So the lessons learned is uh, both how we work internally, but how we kind of connect with the customer. And those are the things we are really investing behind in a very significant way. So it seems that the way that people buy groceries has changed more in the last three years than it has in the previous three decades. I know Albertsons has partnerships with DoorDash and Uber. How are you thinking about e-commerce options when it comes to grocery? So uh, first I'd start by saying that hey, uh, from an e-commerce perspective, uh, grocery was pre-COVID was lagging other industries. We had a small base as an industry, and that has certainly increased at a very fast clip. But still, I think we have lots of room to grow. Our view is that customers would decide what works best for them. Some people like to buy their produce in the store and love the theater of looking at the produce, looking at the butcher block and seeing what they want, what kind of steak, what kind of cut. Some people say, hey, uh, if someone can deliver it, that's great for me. Someone says, hey, I want to be in control. I'll order. I'll go pick it up. Some will do different combinations. So what our uh, intent uh, through all this is to be able to meet the customer when she's ready and in a way that she wants to shop. And what we find is that even customers who shop online 
Many of them go to the store too. If we give the optionality to the customer, can personalize this experience in a way that works for her, that would be the winning strategy for the customer and us. So what do innovations can we look forward to in the grocery space? There are things that we are implementing and scaling and using. Then there are things that we're working on and then things they are incubating. The part on robotics, for example, I would say is in the middle column in my mind. There is a bunch of robotics that we do in our distribution centers, uh, which look like almost like Star Wars. And it's uh, hugely efficient and adds value and we're learning and scaling. We're doing micro-fulfillment store in some stores for e-commerce to say, how do we accelerate the picking there? But when we think about uh, the cognitive sciences on vision and you know smart card, we're doing a bunch of pilots right now, learning. And there are different types of technologies like scan and pay, uh, where you could use your phone to do it. But each one has to get connected to a customer need and a way that we solve that particular need. Uh, so scan pay may not work. If you want to buy 50 items, it's maybe a little more onerous. For that, we wanted you know different type of solution. What are some of the ways you use data that are unique to your industry? So I'm going to use a word which I generally never like to use, which is to say it's a journey. <laughs> the precision of the data uh, is expanding uh, very, very significantly because now for uh, any particular product, you want to know a lot about the product, not just what it is. You want to know the attributes, you want to know the health attributes, you want to know the provenance of that uh, product, and that's all data. So when someone says, hey, do you have school level data? Of course, but it's what level of degree that you have, that's what will unfold more and more of the magic. How current that data is. We used to say, hey, if we have monthly data, customer preferences don't change in shopping, so if we use last month's data, we'll be pretty good. Then we said, no, maybe weekly, then daily. Right now we're saying, hey, can we say in the moment what would change? I think as we step up each function, uh, there are many unlocks and the efficacy of data continues to improve. We, in fact, partnered with Snowflake uh, early on. They've been a great partner as we are building this whole our enterprise data platform, uh, which is message enabled and then really lends itself for machine learning and modeling and training models. And so uh, we're doing some work with Google. So lots of great partnerships, great learning. We are very excited about the opportunities, I have to tell you. So Nuj, how do you decide when to innovate internally versus when to collaborate with other partners? Like, how do you strike the balance between, you know, when you buy, when you build, and when you partner? Our general thinking would be as follows. Closest to the customer, we want to innovate and own and build that experience as much as we can. And the furthest away from customer, uh, we would say buy, uh, get scale and leverage technology to provide the most efficient, fast platform. So if you were looking at, uh, let's say, HR, we would not think about building our own or our own general ledger. But when it comes to the close to the customer, the app, we would like to have our own, right? So that's the broad state. And then in between, we have to say is where are we leading the pack? Where would we differentiate? Where would we see an opportunity to make a real difference? Uh, and then we would go sometimes and, uh, and build. And even when we build, there are many, many tools. And this is, again, another value of the cloud part is this whole platform as a service uh, that has changed the game so that lots of services we can use, like even the cognitive services, we don't need to start from scratch and say, hey, can I build computer vision? 
you get that as a service. Now you to say, how do I use it? How do I train the model? Lots of work to do, but the core science of it, you are really mine. And the last thing I would say is, and if you talked to me five years ago, I would have said, hey, we generally tend to work with industrial strength companies because we have big scale and we want to make sure that when we roll out something, it can scale and be secure and, you know, all those things. So we would default to large companies. Fundamentally change that. I think in my opinion, at least, what has fundamentally changed is cloud. Because with cloud, scalability is for a small company, not an issue. Because scalability of a Azure is coming, or GCP is standing behind a startup. The security is not an issue because, no, again, within reason, we have to kind of make sure it is designed right. But those things which used to be big concerns are no, not concerns as much. So that has really, in a huge way, democratized how we access uh, smaller companies or startup companies. Wow, that's, that's really interesting. Okay, so now Sam is going to kick off a lightning round of questions. What should be the number one thing every new CIO thinks about and tries to get done when they join a new company? Build business relationships and get to know the enterprise and really make technology core to the business. And on the flip side of that, what is the biggest mistake a CIO can make? Start believing that technology is the only answer and works in isolation. Technology with people is the answer. How do you measure the performance of a CIO? The impact that technology has at scale, that I think is the ultimate test. How do you think the role the CIO changes over the next five or 10 years? Becomes more central, more uh, critical, but also the expectations change. So not a support function, (laughs) not a uh, staff function, but a really a business function. And CIOs own more accountability to deliver at scale, own the business, and the historical lines that we used to have between business and technology get more blurred. And CIOs have to be able to work in that blurred line and not look for clear boundaries. That makes sense. Anoush, we like to end the lightning round with a personal question. What's a book you've read recently that's had a big impact on you and why? I just finished a book, a biography of Benjamin Franklin. It's a fascinating book. And the reason I was so enamored and so got engrossed with the book is he brought innovation when without any formal education for the innovation, but was a public servant and also was so human. You know, I love biographies. It's something we can also admire that people, while whether it was Lincoln, who was so human and yet so great and so bold. Absolutely. Hanush, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. This was a blast. Thanks. Thanks, Anoush. That was Anoush Danda, Chief Information Officer at Albertsons Companies. Thanks for listening to the Enterprise Software Innovators Podcast. I'm Sam Tamani, a general partner at Greylock Partners. And I'm Evan Reisner, the founder and CEO of Admirable Security. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find more great lessons from tech leaders and other enterprise software experts at enterprisesoftware.blog. This show is produced by Luke Reiser, Josh Meir, and Emily Shaw, and mixed by Veronica Simonetti. See you next time.